Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I am a licensed psychologist and it is time for the TT Time with Dr. Tarver. It's a podcast that is intended to encourage wellness. It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. So hello everyone. Welcome again to the month of June. As we know, June is LGBTQ plus pride month. I took a little break from this topic last month to honor a young lady from my hometown who lost her battle to cancer. And I want to resume this week with a topic that I actually had worked on for last week and then got some additional information. So I think it is a very timely discussion. So you all may very well remember when uh, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union's daughter uh, was going through her transition process from male to female. She was about 12 at the time and they ended up talking a lot about it on social media and just sharing their process of learning and educating themselves and being able to be supportive of their daughter. But there was a picture that they posted. It was a Thanksgiving picture and their daughter was wearing a crop top and she had her nails polished and the venom that came out around the picture, the ugly things that were said, the ugly things that were said to them as a couple about that she's only 12 and you don't need to be encouraging this and all of the uh, lack of, I think, education that people have around gender identity and just the hateful rhetoric that sometimes people have because they experience a lot of misunderstanding of the LGBT Q community and there's still uh, a lot of discrimination that occurs in this population. But Dwayne Wade came on uh, social media to address these very hateful comments. And, and that is what inspired this topic. But since that time, um, I follow a influencer, uh, MJ Harris, who's an openly gay male. And he brought to light just up the road from me in Atlanta, this also adolescent male whose family, his brother apparently cut his hair and his sister was recording the cutting of his hair. Um, and you all have probably seen the memes where people take the hairline back on kids um, to try to teach them a lesson, um, cut things in, 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 their, in their hair. So this particular uh, video was very focused on this young man who apparently engages in um, what they consider to be some effeminate behavior. Uh, and so uh, to quote them, we're going to break you out of this gay ass shit. Uh, and so they mush him in the head. They are making these really disparaging comments. That was bad enough. That hurt my heart enough. But then this young male gets on camera and he pleads with people not to be attacking of his sister in particular or his family because they really were just trying to teach him things he needed to know that he was doing that was wrong. I just want you all to sit with that for a minute. They were trying to teach him what he needed to know that he was doing that was wrong. Yeah, uh, you all are probably experiencing the same kind of hurt for this young man as I am. And he was, uh, according to reports, removed from the family because what they did is absolutely child abuse. Um, but those are the things that influence today's topic, which is affirm your children, LGBTQ plus youth. So, um, yeah, where to start with that? 
Now, what I'm about to share with you all isn't any new information. Uh, our LGBTQ plus youth are no different than any other young person in terms of they need love, unconditional love, affirmation, affection, attention, to know they're of value, to do things that give them purpose, to be able to have safe, secure relationships around them. This isn't new information. We know that our young people develop uh, good habits and patterns when we teach them out of places of love and we give them the things that they need to grow up and be productive human beings, right? And so that's not only their food and their clothing and their shelter, but also being able to make sure that they have loving relationships with people around them, that they're not subject to verbal abuse or physical abuse or sexual abuse, that they're not um, being constantly displaced from home to home, right? These are the things that we know matter. But for our LGBTQ plus youth, they have even higher risk factors. So it's really important that we address some of those things. So as you can tell from the negative disparaging comments that were made uh, to Dwayne and Gabrielle Union's daughter, as well as to this young man in Atlanta, that our young people are probably, when they're in situations like that, going to have higher risk factors because I'm not coming from a place where I feel valued. I'm not coming from a place where I feel like I can be comfortable in my own skin. I'm coming from a place where I am feeling worthless, right? So when I'm in this place, guess what I'm going to do? Of course, I'm going to use things to numb that pain. I'm going to try to lead an identity that is outside of who I really am. That's going to make me at higher risk for substance use. That's going to make me at higher risk to get involved in uh, risky sexual behaviors because I'm more likely to get involved with people who are trying to feel a hole in me. Um, and these people are usually going to exploit that because they can feel it. Uh, these may end up being older people uh, because they are able to see this hole and they take advantage of that because we do have predators out there that prey on our, our young people for that very reason. Um, I see this hole that your family has left. So let me tell you all the ways that I can fill that hole and be there for you. Meanwhile, I'm over here doing things to you that are just as detrimental, just as traumatizing. Uh, we know that there are higher risks of, of course, um, alcohol use, but also a lot of our, our uppers, our stimulants, our cocaine um, tends to be highly abused in this population as well as marijuana, right? Again, we're just trying to numb this pain. Um, there is also higher risk in this population of young people for bullying for verbal harassment, for physical assault, for cyberbullying, because as we know, social media gives us the opportunity to be uh, keyboard gangsters. So we can get on our phones or get on our tablets or our, our, our laptops and say all kinds of mean stuff because I don't have to face this person. And I want people to like me and, and, and for my comment to be really funny to other people. So I don't care about dragging you down in the process if it's going to make me feel better about myself. They're more likely to be isolated and excluded. Uh, there may be limitations in terms of their ability to even be able to discuss things that are relevant for them because it's not a safe space. There are so many people that grow up hearing messages in their home or even in their faith-based institutions about how who they are, there's something wrong with them. So if you're hearing this information all the time, how are you supposed to feel? You can be rejected from your family. There are unfortunately a lot of examples of families who cut their young people off if they're honest about their sexual orientation or their gender identity. We know that whereas there are anti-bullying 
procedures at school, oftentimes the actual issue of the discrimination or harassment being, spe being specific to the LGBTQ plus population is not addressed. So it's just a blanket, oh, hey, don't bully. But we're not really talking about why are you bullying this person and why is this unacceptable behavior? And so that's just as dismissive. And we know that our transgender youth are at higher risk for actually developing not only numbing practices, but dependency on substance use. So they are in, in particular a higher risk group because there are a lot of specific issues related to transgender youth that other youth don't necessarily experience, even um, uh, LGB youth. So you know I like to give you all some statistics because I think it's important for us to really understand the dynamics of which we're dealing. So transgender youth, we talked about higher risk factors, nearly four times higher risk to experience depression. And these statistics are coming from the Human Rights Campaign, the CDC, and a Youth, youth Risk Behavior Survey. 40% of transgender youth felt depressed most of the time, and a third of transgender youth have seriously considered suicide. One in five has made a suicide attempt. One in five. The CDC also highlighted that 60% of LGBTQ youth reported being so sad or hopeless that they didn't engage in their usual activities. So our, our athletes, our poets, our actresses and actors, our, our advocates, they're not doing the things that give them meaning and purpose, which is going to make them at higher risk for mental health disorders, particularly depression. 18.8% to 43.4% of lesbian and gay students have seriously considered suicide. That comes from youth.gov. 10% were threatened or injured with a weapon on school property, 10%. 34% were bullied on school property, 28% bullied electronically. 23% have dated or went out with someone during the past 12 months prior to this survey and mentioned that they experienced sexual dating violence. 18% physical dating violence. 18% forced to have sexual intercourse at some point in their lives, forced. So as you see, not only are our young people dealing in internally with things or from family or from peers, but they're also at higher risk to be abused by other people, particularly intimate partners. So we're talking predators, peers. Uh, we, we know that there are instances where people who are supposed to be in leadership positions with our young people abuse that power and they're at higher risk to be uh, sexually abused, molested, assaulted. Um, these, are, these are the statistics that reiterate how at higher risk our LGBTQ youth are. So what do we do? I know that when you hear these things, it can feel not only alarming and concerning, but it makes you feel kind of hopeless. How do I protect my children? How do I protect uh, my nieces and nephews, how do I protect other, other young people that may be in my care? So John Hopkins has a list of things uh, specifically geared toward parents, but I think these can be applicable to any adult, uh, especially one that has a position in a young person's life where you have some influence. So most important of all of these things is we have to let our young people know that they are loved. They are loved un conditionally. I see you. I love you. I accept you, young person. And you don't have to fall into any category in any box in order for you to be loved by me. And not only do I love you, but I'm here for you. So if something happens, if you are 
placed in a situation where you're violated. I need for you to be able to see me as a safe space so you can come and talk to me about it so we can get it addressed. That open dialogue is really important with all of our young people, but specifically with this population of young people in the LGBTQ plus community, because they sometimes don't feel like they have a safe space to be able to share things that are going on. What's going on in their lives? What are their interests? Who are their friends? What happened at school? What did they learn at school? What are um, some of the things that they're passionate about, excited about? Because we do want to recognize that our young people have a lot of dynamics that make them who they are. So it's not just about their gender identity, or their sexual orientation or how they express their gender, but it is about who they are as a person. So we want to nurture all the aspects of them, which means we have to get to know them. We have to talk to them. We have to get in the open space. And I know that our young people don't always want to talk to us. My uh, young person has transitioned into early adulthood now, and there was a quite a bit of time where he could care less about talking to me. That is during a time in their normal development where their peer influence is more important. So they're talking more to their friends, but you still want to offer a safe space. So when that young person comes up to you and you're watching your favorite show, then do know you can pause it, turn to them and give them attention because that could be a very important moment for them about, hey, when I do want to come and talk to you, then you're available for me. I think that it is very, very important that we stop talking to our young people about things being phases. And I know that sometimes we don't understand all of these different terminologies. And I know you all are like, what is binary? I don't even non-binary. What, what does that mean? You don't have to know everything in order to be supportive. Ask, hey, tell me about that. What does that terminology mean? I've never heard that before. You also can do a little research. Uh, I'll give you a few websites at the end. But age-appropriate movies, different things that are on social media, videos, you can use those characters to talk about things like, hey, this looks like an interesting movie. I haven't watched this before. Have you want to watch it with me? And then you can have more of a discussion. It doesn't feel so intrusive because it's not about you child. It's about these characters, right? And so sometimes we feel a little bit more comfortable when it doesn't feel so personal. Don't look for blame. A lot of times we're like, I don't know where you got that from. That's not something that we need to be discussing. Like, we just need to accept that our young people are where they are, talked in a previous episode about how we are constantly developing our, in our identity, in our expression of ourselves, in our sexual orientations. That is a normal, natural process. Just because your process looked a little different doesn't mean your young person's process is wrong in some way. Like, we just have to recognize, hey, you got a different course in life. And that's true with our kids in general. They don't necessarily follow all the same paths that we do. One isn't better or worse than the other. They just may be different. We wanna make sure that we're pushing in our schools for a comprehensive sex education. Now, when I grew up, we were very abstinence focused. And so parents were very much like, don't bring any sex education into the school year and encourage our young people to have sex. So that was a big fail because what we recognized is our kids are uninformed and so they're not making good decisions. They are getting sexually transmitted infections. They're having children they didn't plan for. So what we'd want to do is arm them with education. That doesn't mean that I'm encouraging them to do anything. And I know you're gonna get some pushback in schools, particularly around any kind of LGBTQ plus curriculum because we, we think we're teaching um, things that are not of God. Uh, but what it does is it gives people more of an understanding and a foundation. And so that decreases our discrimination and our harassment because people understand, oh, okay, part of natural development. 
Some people end up having an orientation this way. Some people have one this way, no problem, right? Because we know it's on a continuum, right? So that helps our young people not be so hateful and hurtful to their peers. Um, we also want to make sure that we're doing age appropriate things. Sometimes we are, we're over our kids' heads. We see them as little mini adults and they're still children. So you can start talking to your kids, even at very young ages about acceptance and love without getting into terminology that's a little bit too advanced for them or things that are going to confuse them. We also want to make sure that you are in constant communication with your young person's educators because what we know is that they spend a lot of time at school and so the behaviors that they're seeing at school may not necessarily look like what we're seeing at home. So you may not be getting bullied by your siblings at home, but you may very well be getting bullied by your uh, peers at school. So allow yourself to be able to have those relationships with those teachers so you can know if anything's an issue. Is my child being more withdrawn? Are they be, uh, not turning in their work? Um, are they avoiding going certain places? Are they not engaging in particular activities that they used to? Your teachers are going to be able to allow you to get information about that. Their friend group change all of a sudden. Um, are they uh, missing school? Right. So truancy, those kind of things that will allow you to be able to assess like, hey, something's going on. Let me figure out what's going on. You want to make sure that you're advocating for some kind of alliance in your school that's LGBTQ friendly. And so frequently there may be some kind of uh, group in the school uh, that other students have started, but we wanna make sure that curriculum is focused in that, in that way as well, that there's a safe space, that our young people know they have a safe space in their schools. You have a lot of power as a parent. If you're not getting through to a teacher, you go to a principal. You're not getting through to a principal, you go to the school board. You're not getting through to the school board, then you know we like to get on social media. We can, we can draw some attention to some things. So making sure that you are challenging any harassment or discrimination policies or procedures or things that are not validating to all young people. Um, I know that it can be very overwhelming for us parents and sometimes we are literally not comfortable and we may have some very rigid perspectives and views about LGBTQ plus issues, but you want to make sure that you're able to separate that out from your child knowing that they are loved respected and protected. Um, you want to make sure that you stay on top of their social media. Now I am very much pro, you have to look at what your kids are looking at. Um, so get those phones from time to time, check and see what websites they're going to on those computers because these are the ways predators have access to them. And I do want you to be clear that predators will pose as young people and they will be absolutely adults over here praying on your poor little baby. So we wanna make sure that you know what's going on. Who are these people? And oftentimes we'll find that our youth are having relationships across states, even a, a, across bodies of water with people because they're going to affirming groups online. And so we don't know who's in these groups. So we wanna encourage them to have healthy peer interactions, have healthy dating interactions, if possible, we want to do that locally so we can see these people and know that they are actually young people um, and that they're not doing anything detrimental to our young people and they're not having conversations at three or four o'clock in the morning about things that are, are inappropriate or could be leading to some kind of exploitation of your young person or engaging them in any kind of high risk behavior. And we do know that there is a risk for unhealthy dating relationships and as we talked about for violence in relationships so we want to make sure that we are staying on 
top of those things. Um, and, and, you know, a few other things that I want to highlight, uh, make sure that the apps that your kids are using, um, are inclusive, right? So we have these websites I'm going to give you have some apps that, that young people can download that are, uh, that are monitored, that are safe apps. We still want to, uh, you don't want to ever give your kid hundred percent trust, uh, because they are young people, their brains are still developing, but we want to make sure that we're at least pointing them in the right direction. And we want to talk about healthy guidelines. We want to talk about boundaries with our young people. We want to talk about predators with our young people. And I know that sometimes they are very much like, oh, you all are worried about everything. None of that's even going on. But we want to at least provide education so they know the risk factors. A lot of our local police departments actually have task force that are specifically designed to address these kind of cyber crimes with young people. They might be a good resource for you to like, hey, let's just come talk to a youth group at church. Come talk to our um, one of our, our sports teams so that our young people can be more informed about those risk factors. And above all else, an app, a group is no substitute for a healthy relationship with family. So those nurturing relationships at home set the foundation for other things, because if I don't have a wound about who I am and being loved at home, then I am less likely to be preyed upon by other people because I'm going to be more mindful and not put myself in situations where I'm so starved for love that I'm getting it anywhere that I can. Now, if you are a person that is involved in the school system, strategies for you uh, include making sure you do have those policies in place that we, it is anti-bullying, anti-harassment, anti-violence against all students. And we wanna make sure that we highlight all the different ways young people can be discriminated against. And that includes their sexual orientation and their gender identity including their, their race and ethnicity, religion, all that. We want to specifically highlight this and not just have a general policy because we want young people to understand what exactly that they are doing that's violating the policy. We want to make sure that there are safe spaces and you'll see rainbow colors uh, as an indication of a safe space. You'll see safe space. You'll see hate-free zone. You'll see a lot of different terminology that are things to key in as places that are safe for your young person. And they wanna make sure that they know who are those teachers, who are those professionals, who are those coaches, who are the folks that they can go to if they're having an issue so they can make sure that they are heard and that issue is resolved. Because one of the things that's really hurtful to our young people is for them to be brave enough to bring something to us and then it's dismissed and nothing happens. How likely are they going to bring that to us again? We wanna make sure that we have student-led and student-organized clubs, safe spaces for our young people. Uh, but we also want to make sure that they have an advocate who is an educator who can monitor and also be able to be a resource for our young people. We want to ensure that our curriculum at school does address HIV and other sexually transmitted infections, pregnancy. Uh, information is all relevant because, again, this is a comprehensive sex education program that talks about gender identity, that talks about sexual orientation, that talks about things that our young people could be at risk for because they just simply do not have the information. And, and we are very clear that there are young people who are getting misinformation and there are young people that are getting no information. Both of those are dangerous. We wanna make sure that we talk to our staff about how to create a safe space. I do not want you to be confused that just because somebody's in a school system means that they are well-educated and well-versed in a lot of these areas. So we wanna make sure that our staff has training 
in our school systems. And we wanna make sure that we have connections to providers in the community. There are providers who do free workshops that provide education, that help us understand, that do testing, right? HIV and STI testing. I know you all like, why are we talking about? Because our young people have sex. I know that's tough for you all to believe and receive because your uh, chaste young person is not out here engaging in sexual behavior. The reality is they probably are engaging in some kind of sexual behavior and it is important to talk to them about it so they can be informed if they are. Now, if they are not having sex right now, they'll be having sex at some point. So we want to make sure that they have good education and understanding about that. And we also want to make sure that they are aware of any psychological services as well as any LGBTQ friendly services in the community. Okay, so where can you go? Uh, PFLAG, Parents, Families, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. The Center for Disease Control has a LGBT youth section um, that has specific resources devoted to our young people. And John Hopkins Medicine also has uh, a website devoted. And there are a lot of others. These are just a few because I referenced their statistics. So I wanted to highlight them. So how do I want to wrap this up? Our children need unconditional love and acceptance in order to grow up and be healthy, productive adults. We want them to be well adjusted and most young people are when they have a safe space. So promote a healthy environment that is affirming and empowering for your young person and intervene when anyone treats them any different. You all be well.